Well, good evening. Welcome to our last Bethel Radio Hour of the season. Um, for those, uh, those of you that have been with us this whole time, we've been studying through Paul's missionary journeys. So we're going to wrap up with him in Athens tonight. Um, this is going to be in Acts chapter 17. We're going to start in verse 16 um, through the rest of the chapter. So if you have your Bible, we'll start there. Um, so where we pick up here, last week we talked about they were in Berea. And as is the case, Paul gets into a little bit of trouble, and they want to send him off, kind of sneaking him out of the area. Uh, so he goes to Athens. Um, in studying this, I found out that um, a lot of Bible scholars believe this was a low point for Paul because he was by himself. Like mm -hmm. this was a, if you will, a low part in his ministry. Um, and they had a lot of reasons to back it up, but a lot of it was he'd just been through a lot. He'd been right. through a lot of persecution, a lot of traveling, a right. lot of... And he's a tough guy. We've established right. that he, he's <laughs> courageous. He has faced everything head on. Um, he's typically had a companion, but now he's in Athens, and he's all alone. Right. Um, Can't be left unsupervised, apparently. He's right in the middle of stuff again. Yep. So let's pick up in a chapter 17, verse 16. Now, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, <laughs> them being Paul and Silas, mm -hmm. his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. Um, so just stopping right there. Athens in the day was a sight to behold. Right. I mean, it was like a city. I imagine it Epicenter. would be, it would have been something almost space age at the time. It'd be like our New York or right. LA or. So if you'd right. just been in small towns and all of a sudden you happen upon Athens mm -hmm. and they've got the art and the theater and the philosophy right. and all of the, coast. oh, all of the education, just a beautiful city. It's just a spectacle, uh, architecture. And what is Paul looking at? He's not <coughs> mentioning anything about how grand the city is. He's not talking about, oh my gosh, these people are so knowledgeable. Oh my gosh, look what they have built. Wow, look at the, I heard the analogy, you know, if you're a bricklayer, if you have one of those around, they notice the bricks. Right. If you've got um, an artist, they notice the, the art. art. If you've got a philosopher, they're interested in all the, the thinking and the right. education. And here is Paul. What is he focusing on? The idols. Right. All he can see is the idols. All he can see is And what they obviously souls. don't know. Right. Right. And I think it serves as a good example because too often today, like it says, his spirit was provoked within him. Too often today, like we'll see something going on, like the big thing right now is abortion. And we just like, well, eh, it doesn't really affect me. So it's whatever. Right. And just go on about our day. So right. it's nice to see someone getting their spirit provoked. Start up. Yeah. 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 So what does he see? He says the city is full of idols and he can't let it go. He can't. Um, so. A good time to lay low yet again. He's in a big city. He could totally just blend in, just enjoy the food and the culture. See him shaking his head saying, I'm going to get another beaten. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know. Like, I wonder how many stonings am I going to get out of this city? Well, here we go. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day. And I imagine it was every day. Every day. Everybody he came across with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and the Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, who is this babbler? Uh, what does he wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus in the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, well, first of all, what is the Areopagus? It's basically one of the theaters. Right. 
So it was like a big or political debate was. Mm-hmm. I think it was a lot of things. They said it was a place where the other name was Mars Hill. It's where they would have mm-hmm. tried civil cases mm-hmm. if somebody had something important to say. It you're basically holding court. Right. Yeah. So, so they took him. He stirred up, you know, such a following or um, or an uproar or whatever you want to call it that they put him like okay. right in the center of it all. Like, okay, here's your audience. Um, so they put him out there and says, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? For you bring some strange things to our ears, and we wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there would spend their time in nothing except telling and hearing something new. So they wanted to hear things. They, they, were, in, they were into it. They, they didn't want to close anything down. They wanted to, let's, let's fill this out. So Paul, standing in the midst of the... Areopagus said, men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you're very religious. And they're sitting there saying like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, we got gods around. everywhere. I'm glad you noticed. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. What therefore you worship is unknown, and this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the faces of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that he should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from us, For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone or an image formed by the art of imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, We'll hear you again about this. So Paul went out of their midst, and some of the men joined him and believed. And among those were a woman named Damaris, and I'm going to butcher this name. Diosinus, the Arab guy. So again, some mocked, some believed. Mm-hmm. So here he throws it out there. Um, different presentation this time than how very, he presented very to different. the Jews, it, right? It was an intellectual. With the Jews, it's based on history. And, the Old Testament. And you know this to be true because it's in Scripture. This was a completely unreached people group. And These so, were not Jewish people that would have known the Scriptures. So correct. he speaks to them. So he starts at the garden, essentially, mm-hmm. you know. Because he, the first part of it is God created all this. You know, he, he's the creator. He, but he's not gold and stone. Those are part of his creations. It's not, he's not the creator, or they're not the creator. Uh, so it, it is a very interesting, if you will, uh, sermon. You know, it's a very interesting approach. And like you said, some believed. Uh, now others, they were just there to get their ears tickled, you know, and they did. They, they, they were stretched. Yeah, that's good entertainment. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah we'll be back next thought. week. We'll talk yeah. about this at dinner and maybe <laughs> forget about it. <laughs> I like that he approached him with, you have an idol. You have all these idols everywhere. You even have an idol to the unknown to the God. Because you've got all these gods that you're worshiping, 
Uh, and they're not even enough. Even mm-hmm. they're not fulfilling. So just in case you have an idol to the unknown God. And he says, let me introduce you to this unknown God. Yeah. And, and I think that uh, he's basically trying to commend them. You know, you, you're, you're, you're reaching out. You're covering you're, all your bases. That's right. Yeah, you're covering all your bases. But what you're doing is insufficient. You know, that's religion. They were practicing religion, man's attempt to get to God. But then he shares with them God's attempt to get to man, and when they hear that this Jesus had died and resurrected, eh, okay, you know, I'm, I'm out. But then others are like, wait a minute, if, if he can die and resurrect himself, there's something to this, you know, type deal. Yeah, he just, he made the, laid the groundwork, let me tell you about the God who made all things and therefore cannot be contained by anything, laid the groundwork there, and then he said, it shocks me that if he, God could create everything that he just claimed that he did, why would resurrection be that much hard? How would that, why would that be hard at all? Or why right. would that be mocked? It's, it's odd. Right now, the, my memory is not serving me, but there is a, oh, I almost had it. There's a, a, a mission group out there that this is what they do when they go to an unreached people group. It's called storytelling, and they start with the Garden of Eden, and, and then they just build and build. They go through the entire Old Testament, but then they, when they get to Jesus, uh, and it takes them a year and a half sometimes, but they go slowly so that the tribal people can really get into it, you know, and such. And they have literally had almost, you know, problems when they talk about crucifying this Jesus because they're mad. They want to kill somebody, you know. He's a good but, man. Right. But then when he gets to the resurrection, there's this huge celebration. And, and at that point, it's like, what do you call that, a low-hanging fruit, you know. They're all like, well, of course. Well, why wouldn't we receive this, you know, God? Now, these people, of course, considered themselves learned people. Uh, and, you know, what does Jesus say about the rich people? It's harder for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Didn't say it was impossible. It says hard. And so uh, Paul masterfully shares the gospel and plants seeds. And that's all, you know, uh, it's been quite a, a journey for me when it comes to the whole gospel and commission thing because... As a young preacher, I was taught that people coming to Christ is pretty much under your control. If you present it, people should come to Christ. I no longer believe that. I believe that it's my job and our job as a church to plant seeds. And if the Holy Spirit waters that and brings them to him, that, that's his job. You know, I think uh, there's, a, there's a God side of that equation, though, too. I think God leaves a doorway into the gospel in every generation and I think this unknown God uh, was the doorway Absolutely. into the gospel for him. Uh, John Smith's the first one to introduce me to that idea with the, the promised child. Correct. Uh, trying to reach uh, a very primitive tribe in New Guinea or Papua New Guinea, a mm-hmm. very uh, remote area. He found a way to present the gospel to them based on their culture. New tribes mission, it just came to me because they do a lot of work in Papua New Guinea. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, no, it's just, yeah, the, but, the, but we see that example right, here. That right. God leaves a, a door into the gospel in every generation. You what better would believe you it. say for this current time in America, what would you say the doorway is in your opinion? It, I, I'm convinced it's relationship. I, I think this generation is born for relationship, and that's the only way to communicate truth to them. <laughs> unless, unless you're rubbing elbows with them and showing them your, who you are and what you're made of, and that, that should be good stuff, um, I don't think you're going to reach them. Mm-hmm. I so think meaning is a good addition to that, too, because there's so much 
lack of meaning that, you know, searching after a life. Yeah. Well, and I think yes. that's what relationship yeah. does. You yeah. know, that relationship brings meaning. And I think if you put all this together, in the 80s, you could sometimes just present an intellectual argument and it makes sense and someone receive. But now it's got to be so much more than just intellectual. With this know. generation, I mm. think. Right. Yeah. They have to see it. So I feel it. They got to feel it. I've gotten to know someone uh, recently, and um, she has an unexpected pregnancy, and she's not married, and um, she, you know it's just been quite a surprise. And so she's, you know, she's she's older, and um, but it still was a big surprise. And she said something that struck me the other day, and she said, "I'm surprised by because I've you know really befriended her and been supportive and congratulations, and you know oh, like yeah. you know it's just kind of reaching out and." She goes, I'm surprised by the people that I consider, you know, like churchy people that are happy for me and very helpful and kind about this. Like she expected ridicule and judgment. Sure. And condemnation. Right. And instead, she said, I've received just, you know, support. Yeah. And it was, it shocked her. And I keep wondering, I was like, is this, is this where? Was she brought into my life at this time for a reason? Mm, right. I can't help but think that she was. So um, well, any chance you get. I've yeah, right. And I think that, that again, um, we're either pro-life or we're not. And if we're pro-life, even though there are lessons to be learned and principles to be taught and Scripture to be obeyed, that doesn't mean that you don't show love when there's a need uh, and the such. Um, we dedicated a baby of a family that is not married but they're going to be married in just a few months they're not going to petition for membership until they are married so on and so forth so we have lovingly drawn the line but we've also supported them and and encouraged them you know and accepted them Amen. I, I think that's that's that fine line that you've got to walk you know and uh i Again, 20, 25 years ago, it was very difficult for me to get through that conversation without being upset or feeling like I'm stomping them. You know, but now it's just, hey. Well, what would Jesus have done? That's right. That's I right. mean, he's pro-life. He's pro-life as they come. As they come, right. But you don't win anybody by being cruel and judgmental. S sending them out. Right. Right. I'm sorry, you can't be a part of us. We're too righteous. Yep. Come We're on. all too perfect here. <laughs> too perfect. Yeah, just don't go to the restaurant with me. <laughs> So one of the questions I had was, what similarities do you see with America today and the city of Athens? I, I think the it was encouraging and not at the same time reading this because it was encouraging to see the people that had an open mind about it and regardless of what they thought, because obviously they had who knows how many gods, but they were open. They want to know what the truth is, what mm -hmm. reality is, they, and whether it contradicts what they already think or not. They just want to know what the truth is so they can right. follow it. So that was encouraging. And then the, uh, what, how should I put it, the, the higher-ups, so to speak, that thought, you know, well, we know more. They, they weren't really open to it. They were just mocking it. Right. And that's yeah. another uh, unfortunate similarity to yeah. today. Sure enough. I was thinking all the idols. Now, we don't have idols of gold and silver. Well, some people may and do, but, you know, mainstream America today, people don't have physical idols right. that they're bowing down to. But I think that we're just as filled with idolatry as a nation as Athens was. Self-idolatry, too, right. I think, is the worst. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, just look at the edifices in our nation that hold literally hundreds of thousands of people 
uh, on Sundays. And those are well attended compared to the churches, you know, on, on Sunday. And even though I don't know that you can say that stadium is an idol as much as worship it happens there, you know. Uh, you, you praise what you yeah. worship. It shows where but, you And you, you, you tithe to what you worship, you, you know. Um, and I don't have a problem with anyone having a year's, what do they call that, a season ticket season holder tickets. and such. Mm-hmm. But if you, you know, it, a Christian needs to have that season ticket holding and still tied to his local church, you know, in my humble opinion. Uh, I, I got to tell you, this is funny. So I uh, got gas today for the first time in quite a while, Ooh. like two weeks. Mm-hmm. So it was Had skinny. no clue that it was 425. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No clue. So apparently Lindsay saw my reaction, Lindsay Spurgeon. I didn't know she was there at BP when I saw the, the pump, you know, and the thing. So she sends a text to her mother saying, uh, LOL, I think Sunday sermon is going to be on tithing. <laughs> yes, because when I went to see Martha, she said, what happened to BP? <laughs> what are you talking about? Because I did see Lindsay as I left. But anyway, go ahead. Well, I, I've told this story before where um, a few years back, Garth Brooks was in town. I'm not a huge Garth Brooks fan. I don't know that I'm a huge fan of any particular band, but one of my friends had a ticket. I hadn't seen him in years, so rolls. I go... And that's the last concert I've been to, probably the last one I'll ever go to in a secular sense, because it felt like the crowd was worshiping the Earth singer. Rose. And I remember thinking, like, Lord, don't come back now because I am not bowing at the <laughs> altar of Garth Brooks. But it felt like everybody was so into this. Like, we are so entertained. He, he's I'm so known as monstrously an entertainer, the best. And it, it felt like we were, um, it was like a worship. And I was like, he didn't die for me, people. He didn't right. die for you either. Like, he's just a guy. He's just. Talented but if you guy. took all the special effects away, you probably would die from his singing. <laughs> the man cannot carry a tune in a bucket but I do without think a sound system. But America anyway. has that idol of entertainment. We've got yes. to be entertained. Yes. Um, we talked about this in our small group. There's a, a Bible study somebody had written, and it was essentially on the five reasons that Rome fell Hmm. and of the five, one of them was their obsession with entertainment, Hmm. their Coliseum, their arts. I know that's a metaphor for parenting. I'm convinced. Um, But that was one of the things is they were overly entertained. That was their obsession. And I see that in America, like, you know, I would go to church. I would read the Bible, but I've got to look at one more TikTok video. And and, and you don't have time to pray and read the Bible. It might be tied up in the amount of time you've spent staring at your phone for the day. Facebook or our Ariagapas. Right, yeah, for sure. And and again, even though I am not in totality against quote-unquote entertainment in churches as much as look where, you know, church services has gone. You know, we we gravitate towards an entertainment level. I think that a certain amount of that is good. I think a certain amount of it is is not so good. It doesn't need to be a spectacle. Right. Where I feel like, and I've heard a lot of preaching on this, um, so this is not my brainchild by any stretch, but a lot of church services are trying to build emotion Mm. to really get like a good, oh, I'm just getting a good feeling, and they want this, it's got to be touchy-feely, some kind of, an emotional response and I'm not saying that you can't have an emotional response, but you shouldn't thrive for that. It should be based in the scripture, correct? solid teaching, your prayer experience right. and not like, Oh, the music was so good. It right. just, and I, and I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I don't shed some tears 
during song service, yeah. but that shouldn't be the goal of right. our song service is to get people feeling worked sunk. up. Yes. If it's forced, it's just cringy. I mean, it's right. it, you're not getting your message across. Nobody right. can take it seriously. I mean, so you might as well just stick to <laughs> what the truth is. Right. And does it help you live better? Right. I, so years and years and years ago now, uh, we had a visitor come, and the family that brought them just told me the comment later that, well, you know, we, we quote, unquote, loved the preaching, but could never attend a church with that dead of worship. This was years and years and years ago. And obviously that did not bless me, you know. I knew where the person was coming from, but this is what the person didn't know. They didn't know where we as a church had come from. And, you know, worship style is a progression. Worship style is almost like a family tradition. And you've got to get to know that family before you, you know, judge the worship. And, um, you know, also I believe that when worship is inextricably tied to a preference, you've, how you've adulterated the, the worship style. And so, you know, I'm convinced that you and I, if our heart is right, we can worship whether it's Gregorian chant or Lecrae. You know, if there's God music in it, if there's God lyrics in it, we should be okay. It may not be our sugar stick, but we should be able to worship God because worship is the condition of the heart to, to the Lord. And so, in this, and again, you know, I, I hope these people aren't listening type thing because I'm not trying to put them down. But that same person was part of a church that had died. <laughs> the church had died. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. You know, so all that said, I, I could not agree more that, 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 you know, we have got to make sure that when we come, we're coming for Jesus. Uh, and when we come for Jesus, we're going to be blessed every time. I, I, I'm convinced of that. And when you become part of a family, and maybe that's the, the place to start in a situation like that, you, the the style of worship doesn't as matter as much. Right. You're part of the family. That's exactly right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, so Larry says here, Athens had a great temple that even had great doors that would open by themselves for their holy teachers. That's pretty impressive. Uh, and then he's saying about what I just said, she just described a feel-good church, not a biblical church. And yeah. it's quite possible. Quite possible. Uh, one question I had was, um, what actions stir us? You know? Uh, and, you know, you've talked many times, Tara, about uh, things that happen in your work where, like the situation that you just said, uh, the lady that has, has got this difficult situation uh, and her reaching out to you has stirred you to get involved. You know, you've talked about, Ryan, the, the, the moments of our day right now, you know, Roe v. Wade and all that. These things stir you. You know, is there anything you guys want to add to that, something that stirs you? Injustice. Yeah. Consistent injustice. Yeah. A, a super need. You know, a super need that I see that I can relate to. <clears throat> I, I, again, I, I got to talk in code, but I had an opportunity this week to potentially help someone down the road with something that I myself have struggled with in the past. And I, the person was just freaked out to have to bring it to me. I get that. But I was able to relieve. I, no, this is what I was created for. This is what I was built for. You know, but would you please call the person first and tell them I'm going <laughs> to, you know, because very honestly, you tie a preacher's hands when you call him and say, I need you to get involved with so-and-so, but don't tell him I told you. 
nah. You know, I'm hands off at that point. I'm sorry. You got to love the person enough to, to tell them, but Brother Ben's going to help you if you'll let him, you know, type deal. So uh, that stirs me. That, that excites me and it gets me going. Someone I'd else? Say, uh, like a, a friend or mentor, seeing them just go for it and uh, just put it all out there Amen. and do the right thing. It's really makes me think, That's well, good. why am I not doing that? You know, right, 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 right. It helps you aspire to something instead of just the status quo. It's good stuff. I think just the truth. Yeah. Just the truth in it all. Mm-hmm. Um, because you said we want to know the truth. And I think that's why I love Bible study so much. Right. It's just it's just the truth. That's why you like John MacArthur so much. Oh, I mean, that dude, that dude just lays it out. And I get he may not be for everybody to listen to because it's no frills. And but sometimes you I'm try. like, <laughs> sometimes I feel like I need to listen to somebody else so I, I'm still going to heaven because he's so, I mean, he'll give it to this. There is no gray area. Boy, he will just it, send it. But um, I, like, I like the truth. And just the fact in this passage, for example, that people that, haven't been exposed to the gospel message wherever they are. And they can even be in America today. I mean, I don't, I've said right. many times because we've heard the gospel presented so many times doesn't mean everybody has. Right. And if you're in a far off country, or even if you're just in the middle of a small town in Missouri, um, there's still something calling you to God. There's something that's calling you. It says it right here. E- even the creation. Right. Every well, day that the sun comes up. And I, in verse 27, it said they wanted to feel their, feel their way towards him, implying, like, God is right there. He's not trying to be hidden. He wants to be found. And um, I guess that's something that when I, any more things that used to get me super frustrated and not to say they don't still get me super frustrated. But I think to myself, they just don't know the Lord. If they knew the Lord, their life would be different. Amen. Amen. Uh, and, and that, you know, you're talking about. He, he might not, John MacArthur might not be everybody's cup of tea. And, and I agree with that with just about anybody. With that said, I have found that when you've got a need and a hunger, that person can be the most boring speaker ever. If he's given truth, you're listening. That's why I still have hope for my books. <laughs> Amen, Gavin. Amen. That wasn't a shot at you. But, but no, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. It's just like a doctor. These doctors that have horrible bedside manner, if they can accurately uh, give yeah. the the... Cure, I don't care if you cuss at me the whole time. Heal me, you know, type deal. So, amen. Good stuff. That uh, God side of the equation, too, is in the verse 27 you're talking about. We we sometimes forget that God's working on the other side. You bet. Uh, Well, he started it. He stirred Paul. Yeah. You need to get involved. To know that everybody that we think either I need to share the gospel with them or they'll never hear me. God's still working on that, that side of the equation, on their side of the equation, preparing them to hear the message. Y- y'all remember C.C. Winans' song, He's Not on His Knees Yet? And, and I think I that, that yeah. He, he, in other words, she's saying in the song that don't give up on him, Lord. He's not on his knees yet. When he gets on his knees, he's going to listen. You know. And so there just yeah. hasn't been enough hurt yet. And, and we don't want that on anybody. We're not, we're not wishing that on anybody. We just know in this life it's going to come sooner or later all right we'll stop there um i think our next topic's gonna fill up the rest of the time probably do you have a i'm just saying or you know i didn't do one i could probably easily i'm just saying uh shingles is for real (laughs) lord help pray to god that you do not get this i mean this is nuts but uh just painful or itches or everything all of the above it uh it's numb. When you touch it, it's numb. But yet, it tingles. 
and it's painful tingling. You can't pass up an unmade bed. You're going to take a nap about every four hours. It exhausts you. It hurts to get in and out of cars. Uh, yada, yada, yada. And I have, I, I alone am supporting Advil and Tylenol right now. And so my liver, of course, is, is uh, you know, abdicating. Uh, so, but yeah, it, wow. So I, I'm like you. I pulled in the gas station on the way home and filled up $65. Oh, my gosh. I wanted to take my camera out and take a picture of the crime scene. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. Biden's, Biden's f fingerprint is on it, I guarantee you. And then I went, in, I went over to fill my tire up. 12 bucks. Fill my For tire air? up. I was so mad I went inside. I said, hey, what's up with the air? It used to be free. Inflation. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Dad joke. Big. That was good. That was oh, he joke. had me. He had me. <laughs> Hook, line, and sinker. Dad joke. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. I'm just saying I don't understand yoga studios. So <laughs> <laughs> That's not a bad thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. But we're working down Everybody on the... Everybody needs to do a downward dog, man. Come on. I'm, not, I'm not saying yoga itself is bad, but hear me out. So All we're right. working on the riverfront in Washington, and right like a couple doors down is a yoga studio. And I was thinking about it, like, why do these people pay to go here? Like a gym, you're going partially for the atmosphere, which I could see with the yoga place, but they've got all this equipment that you can't just have at your house necessarily. But with yoga, you come in, you bring your own equipment, your own mat. mat. You already know most of the poses you're going to do. You're just paying to do it there. There. I just that's, I don't get that's it. genius. I yeah. had not They're, thought of that. The owner of yeah. the I've yoga. never been to a yoga studio, so I don't know. Maybe it's the Himalayan salt. I Maybe, have no idea. Knows? It would be like bringing your own food to a restaurant. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't and eating it at the restaurant. It's, it's, it's genius I never thought of it. and stupid at the same and time. You know, <laughs> like you can look up all of those routines online like yeah. you, for free. You YouTube. can get on YouTube and just have a whole new routine every day. Yeah. 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 Hmm. That's that's a good one. It's that is pretty good. That's a brilliant business move. It is. Man, I might open up a yoga studio <laughs> in town. Uh, I don't know. to St. Louis, then. Yeah. St. Clair. I don't really have it. I'm just saying. I'm just saying I'm tired. Larry, it's the end of the school year. Survivals. Isn't <laughs> that the, the truth? Uh, Larry texted in and said, things that wake me up to God, first the grandkids, and in, case, in my case, seeing people that survived accidents that they should have died in. Hmm. Very good. All right, so in light of everything that has happened recently um, with Roe v. Wade mm -hmm. and all of the commentary and fallout, if you will, surrounding it, um, we're going to talk about abortion, which I always feel necessary to say this is not to judge anyone. Mm -hmm. um, in my opinion, society is, has done such a fantastic job about promoting and therefore lying about abortion to women and selling it as it's not a big deal. It's not even a life. Lump of cells. Do whatever you want to do. It's not It's not going to harm you later, physically or emotionally. It's your right. It's your choice. It's In every way, starting at a very young age, this has been sold to our children. Mm -hmm. So then when you buy the lie, hook, line, and sinker, it's, it's hard for me to bring down any kind of condemnation, judgment, or anything right. on somebody um, and I refuse to. Um, but as an entity we got to talk about it. And I've got a question for you, Terry, because I was thinking about this. There's three men on this panel, one lady. There's one more lady in the auditorium here listening to this Bible study. Do you feel coerced in any way to take the stand that you have taken as far as for pro-life? Do, do you feel like you have freedom, you know, to choose whichever way you think you should? You follow what I'm saying? 
Because the world thinks that you're saying what you're saying because these three men are up here and we're demanding that of you. But there couldn't be anything further from the truth. I mean, I am pro-life because it just makes sense. Right. And you are a medical You know, and I've said before, since, and I've, as a little girl, I did this. I've watched my daughter. I didn't have to teach her to pick up a baby and try to love it. Right. I never had to show her. to. She just did that. Be gentle. And it was adorable. In fact, it made me cry. I remember the first time she was so little and she just picked up a baby and was just, you know, kind of. Mothering it. Yeah, a little baby doll. And uh, I'm sure I did that. My mom has pictures of me playing sure. with baby dolls. It was just, it's in there. Um, now, I do feel like there's a push in society to say, you don't need that. Right. You can, and to, to, to be a woman. To who, and to people that don't have children, that's, you know, that's, again, totally fine. Sure. But there, it's almost like if you decide to have children, it's, that's just weak on your part. You don't have to do that. Right. You know, like it's you need to be on a fast track to a corner office, and that is success, not raising these babies. Right. Um, and I personally feel that's wrong. Right. Now, for people that choose not to have children and pursue a career, hey, more power to you. Um, as long as it's a God decision is what I would add to that. But right. yes, absolutely. But as far as do I feel pressured to be pro-life, life, I do not feel pressured mm -hmm. to by anybody at any point. Um, I just remember whenever I was having um, Sadie, I didn't have a smartphone whenever I had the twins. But when I did, we would look up, there was an app that showed the progression of a baby's growth, like this is week five, this is uh -huh. week six, seven. And we learned at a very, very early stage that we were expecting, and so we'd been watching, you know, it just it was amazing uh -huh. how fast this little, quote, group of cells goes from that to very right. recognizable as a child. Um, and that was exciting, and I couldn't help but think, man, if somebody had at a young age been told, you know what, you're not ready, just get rid of it, um, at some point in time, when you do have a baby, you're going to be looking at that baby at eight weeks and think, wow, that's, that's what was happening. My, my baby had all these features already. My baby looked like this already, and it was clearly a life. And the guilt that that must bring right. um, and the pain, I just that's where Satan does his best work because right. then you have that pain forever, and that's just that's what right. he wants. Just like any other lie that Satan tells you, Oh, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. Then you do it, and you're such an evil person. You're so bad. You're so terrible. Then he piles on the other way, and, and this basically takes you out of the out of the game for any work for the Lord. And we haven't said it yet, but anybody that's had an abortion, you are forgiven if you ask. It's just for the asking. Uh, God is big and capable of forgiveness for this. It's what we call a sin. Um, but forgiveness is available. Acceptance is available. Love is available. Life is available after abortion. There is a website called that, and it's a site that's non-religious, but almost every individual who's had a, an abortion has negative emotion, emotional experience after that, and they deal with that in, impartially. Right. And if you come across some Christians that you do not receive love and forgiveness, keep looking. Keep, keep yeah. looking. I'm not going to say those folks aren't Christian. I'm telling you they're not practicing very right, well. Right, right. And, and because, quote, unquote, true Christianity will meet you with love, patience, and forgiveness. They're going to hopefully shoot the truth to you. 
but they're going to shoot it with love, and they're going to assure you that there is no sin that is above forgiveness in Christ. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, uh, I, because this has been going on since 1973, as far as legally, and we, I mean, the jury's out. We know that ladies that have suffered this situation, they do suffer. They suffer for years upon years, and until they get some good counseling, it's something they carry every day. And, um, you know, the, the, the one fellow that made the statement that uh, he does not believe that Christians are being, uh, how would you say it, I guess, fair, because he's never heard of anyone uh, grieving a miscarriage. There oh, couldn't be anything further oh, from the truth. Yeah, this guy was a nationally known. He's clearly known, never, never had, had one. to experience and that. And doesn't have anybody. Different that, distinction because in a miscarriage, you're not doing it on purpose. Cor like correct. You, you grieve it. But he's using that as some kind of backward, you know, mm. proof. And did that not get. You don't really care. Did he yeah. not get destroyed in the media oh, for saying absolutely. that? absolutely. And, and, and I mean, you know, here, here I am. You know, my wife had a, a miscarriage after about uh, six to 12 weeks. And to this day, I mourn that we've we've claimed that it was a boy. You know, we've talked about building a, you know, memorial for him. So I mean, so it foundationally affected Don and I, and we know he's in heaven, and can't wait to see him and such of that nature. And of course, we make it up there, and it's a girl. But you know, that's okay too. Her name's Remington. <laughs> Go, Remy. That's right. That's right. So because that's the name that my my wife would never let me name a kid, but nonetheless. Um, it, yeah, so anyway, let's proceed. I just wanted to start with that because I, I, if, if someone is listening to this that, that holds a different view, we respect that view, we love you as a person, uh, but we didn't want you to think that Tara has taken this stand because she's pressured on the outside to do that. We all are pressured on the inside through the Holy Spirit. Say something. That's right. Um, so what is your best biblical argument against abortion? If you're having this discussion... Yeah, so, I, you know, take them to the Ten Commandments, uh, thou shalt not kill, and, and we would have to talk about what that means because inevitably, you know, we live in a nation that on occasion does capital punishment. So, so wait a minute, you know, the government kills people that, that have killed people type thing, so do you support that? Yes, I do, uh, because I do not believe that that thou shalt not kill is a broad statement blanket that is speaking of innocent life. So... Cain killed Abel. Abel had not done anything worthy of death, but yet Cain killed him because he was jealous. Well, thou shalt not kill is where that comes in. And then certainly an unborn child, uh, I truly do believe that the Ten Commandments covers that. Someone else? Hey, sir, this study on this topic really hit me, hit me sideways and opened my eyes to potentially a whole new insight into when we're known as individuals in the conception process. And this is, I'm sorry, this is Jeremiah 1, verses 4 through 7. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto, unto the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord, God, behold, I, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whosoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. That, that, ver that passage says that God knew him before he was conceived. Correct. 
So, so not just before he was born, before he before conception. he was conceived, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Mm-hmm. That, that that was an eye opener to me. And there's more. There's other verses that say that God knew the child before he was conceived. Uh, he knew, of course, Jesus was one one also. But um, I got a list of them here. Um, God knew Samson before he was born. Mm-hmm. His the angel appeared to his mm-hmm. parents and said, "You're going to have a son that's going to be a judge." He knew what he knew. Samson before he was born. Um, Moses, of course, I, it doesn't say that God knew him before he was born, but he was a child slated for abortion, and Correct. He was redeemed from abortion because God had a plan for his life. Um, the life of Samuel. Remember Hannah praying for mm-hmm. God to give her a child that mm-hmm. she would give to him. God gave her the child that would soon be his. One of his judges in, in Israel, a prophet. Uh, Jeremiah was the one that that verse that I just read was about. John the Baptist was a, a child that was prayed for. Remember the angel went into the mm-hmm. temple and said, your prayers have been heard and answered. And John said, show me a sign for this. Mm-hmm. And then the angel said, shut up. All right. for, for, uh, I just told talk. you your, answer, your prayers have been answered and you're, you're asking me to show you a sign. So, so it's something I would do. I mean, it's no doubt. Give me, give me a, well, give probably me a all of us. Yeah. Uh, he was a child that was known before he was born. Right. And uh, he lived in Elizabeth's womb when Jesus, in Mary's womb, came into his presence. Recognized another mm-hmm. child, but the after conception. But John's, uh, his, he was known before he was born because he was prophesied of, you know, that he would be the one that would go before Christ. So, so, I think we leave off the meat of the the this debate. Every, every child in God's eyes has a purpose and an intent in, in God's eyes. Mm-hmm. And destroying that, I think, is we can't even fathom the, the depth of potential that's been lost in a child that's gone, that goes unborn. Someone who God knew before they were born knew, that, knew what would happen to them. Um, and I think we've talked about this before, that heaven's full now of children that have been unborn from, from the United States, 60 million plus. Just the United States. Um, Evans inhabited with those those children. That's right. Something that I haven't <clears throat> even put together till. <clears throat> There's a dearth within our work. Uh, not, I mean, and we've got a very small work. There's a dearth in Southern Baptist. There's a dearth in Independent Baptist, and fill it, fill in the blank with denominations. No preachers. No preachers. Uh, if a, if a church goes without a pastor. She could go a year to five years without a pastor. Scripturally Six. speaking, abortion has been the tool of the devval for eons. Yeah. Uh, try, try to get Moses, try, try to get Jesus, the, um, the, the prophet, I, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, uh, Bethlehem, the children of Bethlehem right. under two years old were all, were all murdered. So the devil has used uh, infanticide as a tool f- for eons. What would you say is your best common sense um, argument against abortion? For me, it'd be the science of the day. Uh, there, there needs to not be any more argument of when does life begin. It begins at conception. Uh, look at look at the power of the cell, uh, and then you know all these things that have happened in the last twenty years. Uh, the baby coming out of the womb when it was being you know surgically repaired uh, and, and grabbing the surgeon's finger. Uh, things of that nature. 
uh, the intricacies of the child at just six and eight weeks old and things of that nature. There's a logical uh, thinking, too, that there's no life has never stopped. There, Correct. It, there's continuity of life. Paul makes that argument here. He says we, we're made, we are offspring of the, the God of the universe. We're not the offspring of steel, wood. Uh, Correct. Life comes from life. There's that um, line of thinking, too. There's no death as any, any, any part of it. If we were looking for life on Mars and we found a human sperm, we'd say, oh, oh, we, we found life or, or human ovum. We would say we found life on Mars. So there's no, there's no death to it. Um, an individual is created at, at conception, but life is a continu uh, continuum. I think uh, our discussion earlier, too, about how painful it is on women is a good argument, too, because if it's just a clump of cells, why does it affect you so deeply? Right. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't even make sense if that's the case. Correct. Uh, and, you know, humanity is the only area that we draw that line where we're all of a sudden, well, so is it? You know, if you destroy an eagle egg, that's mm -hmm. a federal offense. Mm -hmm. Well, how do we know that that's not going to be a blackbird? Well, because we know. Well, I, yeah, they can go to prison and face $10,000 fine right. if you just break an eagle's egg. Break Why? Eagle's because egg. that egg is going to become an eagle. An eagle. Right. So uh, how about the COVID argument? You should go get a vaccine because you've got to do that because we're telling you and you're going to protect me by doing that. I thought it was my body, my choice, you know. And, and so even though I'm not on any level saying I support that kind of argument on either direction, I'm telling you that the world has used that. The world has said, we don't care that it's your body, your choice. We want you to go get a vaccine. And another uh, similarity between the two that kind of outlines the thinking behind abortion is the they just throw kids to the side, basically. All these kids, they go to school, they have to wear masks, they have to be vaccinated, all to protect the teachers. It's right. back, completely backwards. The teachers should be protecting the kids. And the same with abortion. You're shoving your kid to the side saying, I don't want you, I don't need you, you're worthless to me, right. I'm going to kill you. It's inconvenient. That way I can have a more comfortable life. Right. So um, at work they were talking about how a woman in the midst of all of this at a rally of some form said, I've had four abortions or whatever, and the crowd erupts in applause, you're mm -hmm. so brave. And um, I couldn't help but think if she had gotten up there, same crowd, same person, so same crowd applauding that, okay, good for you, you've exercised your right as mm -hmm. a woman. Um, what if she would have said, you know what, somebody gave me a dog, and there's nothing wrong with the dog. In fact, it was, it was a good dog, you know, if I'm being honest. I just didn't want it. I, I just killed it. I killed it. I did. I had it stabbed, and it's dead. And I didn't want to find another home for it. I just didn't want to deal with it. Would the same crowd have been like, good for you? They'd have been horrified. Right. Horrified. But when it's a human, human life. Being. Right. It's good for you, a round of applause. But if I just can't help it in society today, just knowing how people are, you know, don't cut down a tree, but, you know, by all means, you can execute as many innocent children as it, you want. It makes literally no sense. Uh, I've been in discussions online, and it's never a discussion. That's a polite way of phrasing it, but debates online with abortion. And it was, they were ladies who, who were responding to me, and I said, well, would it be right, and the link in a little bit of hanging, would it be right if it had been done to you and, and you you weren't here to have this discussion? So that wouldn't, that's not my, that's out of my hands, it's not my choice. That's not my, I have nothing to do with that right. choice. So I can't have no control over that. Is subject to the arbitrary caprice of another woman 
So, so you're saying that your life is arbitrarily here or, or by chance here. So doesn't that mean that everything in your life is arbitrary and by chance then, and including your opinion about this? So mm -hmm. you just basically said that my opinion is arbitrary and, cap and capricious because that my life has, was de dependent on ar an arbitrary choice by my mother. Well, it's like Ronald Reagan said, everybody that supports abortion's already been born. Right, yeah. I've always point. thought that maybe the cure for cancer, or the cure for fill in the blanks, or, or whatever, like maybe some great invention would have happened had the baby been allowed to be born. No doubt. The oh, we endless, won't know. Uh, preachers, endless potential. Yeah, endless potential. 60 yeah. million, again, in the United States. Uh, it, it's, uh, I mean, and I haven't heard, I'm sure they have a number for the <laughs> world, but it's several hundred million it's sickening yeah uh, if you think about it in these terms and the other argument is the bodily autonomy or um, you know in my body you yes my that, body my choice but the baby has a body too that's right and, and your body bodily auto autonomy is respected by me up until the point you take it from someone else so uh one thing i sent to tara uh, and this was the next one on the list here how would you respond to the argument that african-american children are not safe in the foster system. Uh, and even though she didn't say these words, the obvious thing is, so abortion would be the better option. And what crawled all over me was to use the word safe. You know, the black and brown children are not safe in our foster system in the United States. That was States. what the person said on the mm -hmm. media. On MSNBC. Uh, it wasn't Joy Reid, it was another lady named Joy. I can pull it Joy up on Fox Behar. News. Behar. No, it's a black woman. Uh, and so anyway, so well, she's equating abortion as a safe option to being raised in the foster system. And she just, I would assume, is throwing black and brown in because that's their hit words that when oh, you no hear doubt. that, you know, you yeah. can't be against well, it. Well, because they're... So it's not going to be comfortable for any kid in the foster system, whatever color you are. It's whatever, certainly right. not ideal, but I mean... No. They're alive. Okay, think about, and not because she's African-American, but Simone Biles is adopted. And she's one of the greatest gymnasts to probably ever step foot on the planet. And what if her mom would have been like, you know what, let's not just get in. This. Not even going to try to find a family that might want this child. Let's just get rid of her. And we wouldn't have had to watch like this phenom of an athlete. Right. Um, was it I don't Beethoven also uh, an abandoned child? Beethoven or Mozart, one of the two, was. Uh, it came from a prostitute. The, the yeah, group. I don't know. It was Senator Tim Scott <laughs> they, uh, arguing with Mrs. Yellen. Uh, you know the the financial guru uh, because she was stating that this this if Roe v Wade gets overturned it's going to just throw all sorts of unneeded and unwanted burdens upon the black and brown community and Tim you know the senator I just can't even he said well I'm kind of glad that my mom didn't take that opinion Tim Tebow yeah yeah Tim Tebow right uh, and and it's you know yep. it, Dave Thomas Dave right. Thomas was a uh, foster child. Was he? Wendy's owner. CEO. I know that he adopted a child, I thought. He was Wendy. adopted also. So okay, I, I just had a really great experience um, a few, I guess it was last month, where um, I met some people from Haiti. And in the instance, both of the men from Haiti were both in the adoption system. The There's a doctor that he was grown, he was raised in an orphanage in Haiti. He now runs an entire medical center 
almost almost you know single-handedly there's not many physicians in haiti he's running an entire hospital he was an orphan Mm. um and then there's a man that he was adopted from haiti into the united states and he was so he speaks both languages he um is a huge outlet to this entire um like an outreach and mission community to get resources and medical supplies and uh, this entire um, organization through him and he was an orphan in Haiti so it just literally got to meet two people that had they just been an abortion one is is made they're both making huge impacts on the world and Haiti is a is a unbelievable opportunity for for missions Uh, the the Rudloffs are, are very involved in that situation Tom says, if the power goes back to the states, what should the states do to support the saved children instead of just being all talk? And uh, I think that that, for me, is one of the biggest areas uh, that, that, you know, again, if you're pro-life, you're pro-life. You know, my wife and I, we we support uh, children. And, and, you know, we've got a little girl that we have almost every week that her mom is a single mom. This is one of our ways of supporting because she made the right choice. You know, and so we as churches, we as states, I, and, you know, Tom, honestly, that, that's a question for the legislature to tackle. But I believe that the churches need to be proactive. Amen. Uh, I, I, we have, we, we support uh, the My Medical Center down the road, and I think we need to do more, you know, and, and because if this does become law in 20 to 25 states, those moms are going to need help. They are absolutely going to need help. Uh, one of the big areas two is uh, statistically like 80% or better of any mom that sees their baby with an ultrasound chooses life. And, you know, we I were one of the first, we, we were, when Denise was pregnant with Caleb, they had just come out with that 3D ultrasound. Oh, wow. oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's convincing. I can't, I can't imagine somebody seeing that, watching their baby play or, right. and that, you know, do oh, boom, 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 you know, the heartbeat and the such. Amen. Good stuff. We didn't get to topic three, but that's okay. We did not. Well, all I can say now is I hope you guys have a happy summer. We, once again in Missouri, have gone from winter to summer. <laughs> Little spring in between. <laughs> but thank you for coming out. I hope you all have a fantastic summer. Same here. And and uh, obviously we do the normal things. Uh, VBS will be a couple weeks from now. Camp will be in the middle of July, uh, I think the 17th. Right in when it's really, really hot and super humid. Probably as hot as it is today. Typically when camp is. (laughs) Amen. All right, guys. Y'all good? All All right. right. So thank you. Thanks, everybody.